0: listening to The Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Chipmun, how are you, sir? Happy Friday. Hey, it's hard to beat
1: Friday. You're a dad. I mean, are you accused of telling terrible dad jokes every now and then?
0: No doubt, man. And not only am I a dad, I'm a dad of teenagers and 21-year-olds. So I don't know that I can tell a good joke.
1: I think that's one of the benefits to our listeners is occasionally we'll get in a good dad joke every now and then that you kind of have to listen for. Kind of like. What do you call a typo on a headstone, which is a grave mistake. But sometimes we'll get in some good ones, but you just kind of have to listen along to hear them, right?
0: Well, it keeps you listening for the entire show. You just never know. Like I heard one time about meetings. If a meeting's 60 minutes long, I only need six minutes of it. The problem is I don't know which six minutes it is, so I have to sit there for the entire time and Uh, Hopefully our listeners don't feel that way about listening to the show. We try to keep things light and talk about fun things like the concerns they might have about retirement. So we'll try to find ways to make these fun or funny, make light of them, John. But we talked last episode about everybody being unique. But one of the interesting things we typically say to clients, this may be the first time you're going through X, but it's not the first time for us because for us, we work with hundreds of families. And so what you can see is that while every retirement is unique, a lot of the concerns that people have are relatively common. So while it's the first time that maybe a client's feeling a particular kind of anxiety over a situation for us it's not normally the first time that we've seen or heard anything. So John, we talk in the retirement remix book a little bit about the concerns for retirement. What are some of the concerns that you see as being common for clients that you work with?
1: One of the things that keeps this job fun and interesting is that you have some set things that you know you're going to talk about in the meeting, but then again, you never know what the client's going to want to talk about. And everybody has some common concerns, but sometimes everybody comes about it from a different angle, and so you have to have a different conversation. But one of the biggest ones is they'll postpone or procrastinate on planning or even setting a date or a time frame. Because they don't feel like they will ever have enough money to start. And so one of the earliest conversations we have is going over the current budget, going over things, spending, income, all of those things, and helping them figure out that it is not as daunting a task as they might have made it up to be in their mind in saving for and creating a pot of money that will fund their retirement period. They might not be able to maintain their desired lifestyle. They're worried that the money will run out too soon, which is, I think, going to be the topic potentially of your next book, spend it all, (laughs) you know, because it's a big worry. There's the worry about I'll live too long. What's that going to look like? Healthcare costs are going to take all my money. And then for those of us who are used to, like we talked about in the last episode, getting up every day and having responsibilities that other people count on us to do, people are worried that they're going to be bored, that they're not going to find enough to do in that R word period. And so all of these things kind of culminate together in putting off this decision as long as they can and getting over some of the hurdles is what we do. So what do we know, Chip, from talking to other clients and studying the books or reading the texts that we read? What do we know?
0: Well, first, what we know is that oftentimes what we're worried about Isn't real. It's just not true. It's one of those things that we've convinced ourselves of over time. And so, one of the values of going through a planning process and understanding that it is that and that it changes as life changes is really being able to check off some of those things and being able to do analysis. On what if I live too long? Well, adjust your plan from, I think we talked in a previous episode about end of plan or when you're going to pass away, being part of that, change it and and see what it looks like. You know, that's the benefit, frankly, of doing all this planning that we do and the confidence number that we use as part of the signature life plan is it really boils it down to a two digit number. You're one of those smart guys, you know, for me, I went to Clemson, but I can understand that 95 is better than 55. So we're able to take a lot of factors and boil them down into a two-digit number that every decision, number goes up, good. Number goes down, bad. And so one of the things, though, there are several things, John, that we do know. We know that in most cases, your earned income is gonna go down. And so you're gonna have to supplement your retirement from somewhere else. Chances are, over time, your medical expenses are gonna rise. These are just trends that we see. The good news is in a properly written and executed plan, we can factor for those. Frankly, you mentioned earlier about healthcare costs, taking everything. That's one of the predominant concerns that we see. And it's one of the reasons that for a lot of people, they maintain some sort of work until after 65, until they're able to qualify for benefits. And so it makes a big, big difference. So, you know, a big part of when we talk about lifestyle, but then we also talk about getting into the planning part. What are some of the things, the other side, we talked social security in a previous episode and some of those kinds of things. What are some of the investing principles or things that we need to be concerned about when we start looking toward, again, I've come to hate the word retirement. The problem is, And the reason we call the first book, The Retirement Remix is because if you tried to change it, you can't not use the word because nobody will know what you're talking about. But I hope someday we'll find a different word. When you look at after your working career or after your primary career, second act, I'm going to throw out all the buzzwords. So what are some of the investing components that we need to look at?
1: I think one of the most difficult ones for people to decide on sometimes can be The time horizon. So when the time horizon is long between the saving and the spending, then you have time to make up for bad decisions, time to make up for mistakes of investing in one thing or another. If the time horizon is shortened, then you may not have as much time to make up for mistakes or as much time for that compounded growth to really have a full effect on your portfolio that a longer time horizon might afford. And one of the things that makes our job as financial advisors harder than normal, not that our job is easy or difficult, it's the correct amount of work that we put in to effort we get out of it. But one thing that does make our job more difficult is not having a clear set time horizon for the investment when we invest the money, because if we invest money and then in a relatively short period of time where anything can happen, if the money is to be taken out again immediately, then... There's less consistency in the returns and a greater chance for loss in the short term. So you really want to make investing decisions with a longer time horizon than a shorter one. And then as part of that, you not only have a starting amount that you start with, potentially a lump sum from a rollover from a 401k or whatever it might be. You're also looking at amounts that you add in per year, whether they be your own money, you're deferring your own pay to help yourself out on the tax side, or it's just simply reinvesting dividends, cash flow from your investments that are coming in that you're reinvesting and not spending. Having that amount and looking at that amount on a regular basis of investment and reinvestment is also important. You wanna pick a growth rate that is suitable for your time horizon. So we kind of go backwards and look at the building blocks that we've created up until the point, and then look at the asset allocation and figure out a growth rate that matches up with a time horizon, as well as the goals that you have at the end and the amount that you're able to save per year. And then you really just want to look at other outside factors that may reduce your spending power of the dollars for today. And so taking those real four main factors into consideration. That's usually where we start on the saving side.
0: Well, and really, you've got to know what you have. you got to know what you owe. you got to know what you make, and you got to know what you spend. There are a handful of basics that we have to get into. You know, but one of the things that we hear a lot about right now, John, is inflation. The notion of it's always the idea of safety being, keeping the money in a safe. I'm from small town here in south carolina everybody's got a safe with some cash in it or under the mattress or wherever or in a, a coffee can whatever you know the problem is i've heard you say that that can quickly turn a dollar bill into 20 cents i mean over time i finally have gotten to the age john where my last car costs almost as much as my first house it's one of those things that things just consistently get more expensive and so For the planning purposes, we have to understand that most expenses, mortgages being kind of contrary to that, most things get more expensive over time, and we have to plan for that. And then the other thing, and we see a ton of this now in certain areas of speculation, and there's a big difference. I don't think, John, that you or I, for clients for whom it's appropriate, having a little, quote, fun in a lot of cases, in a separate account. Let's leave the speculation in Vegas. When it comes to your long-term plan, you just need to make sure that any money that you're speculating is like you were going to loan it to a family member. It's gone. You just pretend like it's gone for the purposes of planning and then move on. So I think there's a lot of that. I think, John, one of the bigger questions that I get is, okay, well, I'm going to save. How much do I save? and where do I save it? What are your thoughts on the progression, the process of that for folks who are still working towards a retirement?
1: The easiest place to start is what we typically identify ourselves with during our working years, which is our job, what we do for a living, who we work with, where we work, the company. So you always kind of start with the company and the employer plan that they have and look at what you can put in, what the employer might match or give you back in return. And the reason you start there is because of the match, but also because usually the employer plans allow you to defer the most of your money at once in a given year. And so you want to start there and see what those options are. If your employer does not have a retirement plan, then potentially talk to Chipper and say, hey, I work for XYZ. They don't have a retirement plan. Do they need one? And we'll reach out and see what we can do. But If that's not available to you, then there are some good individual retirement plan options out there, depending on what kind of business you have, whether you work for yourself, whether you have a small business of your own, or whether it's just a side hustle and you have some earned income that you want to put in on your own. So look to employer plans first, individual retirement plans second, and then you can look at the business tax structure for yourself if you do work for yourself. You can sometimes structure your business in a certain way that will allow you to save more money for yourself, send less to the government. If anybody from the IRS is listening, this is all done in a legal fashion. And then looking at whether it is right for you to save more of your money pre-tax and defer the income tax till later, or go ahead and pay the tax now so that when you take it out later on, when you don't have income from your job. When you're in those years where you're doing whatever you want to do, maybe that's the best option for you. And so those are the four main pro tips. If you're going to go down the list, everybody's giving out pro tips these days. I figured we could give out some of our own, but that's what I would look at.
0: Well, I think that last one that you touched on is a bit of a hot button right now with the idea of the new administration and potentially changing tax laws. That blend of pre-tax versus post-tax do I pay the taxes now or later? If you were looking for a reason, not that you should, you should be doing it on a regular basis to update and double check and look over your financial plan. That certainly is one of those reasons is that as some of these things change, whether it's the estate laws or the income tax laws, you want to make sure that your plan stays current. John, I have found one of the biggest things is when we get into kind of keeping our money is the risk reward of an investment mix. I think you and I both subscribe to modern portfolio theory. One of the things though that I will tell you that I'm not a big fan of is historically when I first got started, the biggest thing was the risk tolerance questionnaire. So you'd sit down and we do things differently now. You grow and you learn. But in the beginning, risk tolerance drove everything. How much risk do you think you can take? And a lot of professionals still do it this way, because that's kind of what they were taught. But that's like saying, how much pain do you think you can stand? And then I'm going to subject you to the maximum amount of pain that you think that you can stand. And unfortunately, when it comes to risk, and we saw this last year, and we've seen it many times, is that what you think you can stand and what you can deal with in reality are often vastly different. And so, From my standpoint, John, the biggest thing is understanding acceptable risk and really getting so clear on what you want to see happen that we can dial back the amount of risk that's necessary has to do with what it is that you're trying to do, not necessarily how steel you think that your nerves are. Because again, we've seen this time last year many, many emails that were folks who just wanted to check their confidence number. Because big swings can do that. And if you're taking as much risk as you think that you could, I think that for us, designing a signature life plan around the notion of we need to take enough risk. But if we want to take more than that, we're going to need to come up with bigger goals to have a reason for why we're justifying those. So I think that's a big part of keeping. The other part, John, I think is... Not what you make is what you spend. And and so for a lot of people coming up with kind of the spending plan component, I find to be one of the things that they have trouble getting their arms around at first.
1: You know, it's different and there's a lot of different things that go into it, but mostly what we try to help people figure out is, and I've talked about this in a previous episode. How much of your income sources are from non-stock market related sources like pension, social security, things like that? And then how much are you counting on either the stock market to give you in returns or dividend or interest payments? Is it income from investments or is it growth? And so we try to balance those two things out and help people understand not only how much they have coming in every year, whether or not those sources increase over time with inflation, whether they stay relatively static. And then how much of their annual income is covered, so to speak, by sources that have nothing to do with the stock market. And so that's part of it. And then what I like to do, because I'm not as much of a micromanager when it comes to finances, that should surprise you. None, but I'm not as much of a micromanager. So what we typically like to do is look at it as a spending speed limit. And so when we go and we review the signature life plan, we'll have on the screen there the cash flow model, which basically goes year by year and shows income. And we usually give a speed limit. And the way I like to talk about it is obviously you can spend this money on whatever it is that you want to spend it on. And certainly in any given year, could you spend more than the speed limit? Sure. But if you're doing it consistently every single year spending more than the speed limit, then you are not only pulling forward the buffer that we've created for you at the end in case you live longer than your plan, but you're also running the risk of running out of money before you're ready, which if we have one job as a financial advisor, it's to get people to the end of their plan without running out of money. I feel like that is it. It's not, are we getting the best growth rate every single year? Are we growing your money the fastest. It is, are we doing things in a way that is responsible that will get you to the end of your plan without running out of money? And sometimes that takes some time to explain to people and help them figure out what it is that our goal is and how to match that up with theirs. But it's starting with creating a budget and reviewing the budget on a regular basis. And most of our meetings, what we have with clients have to do with changes in the budget and how are we going to match those changes with portfolio earnings or things like that.
0: And it really is a big picture look at what we teach our kids, right? When I first started working with the concept of allowance, it was you don't want to run out of money before you run out of month. And it really is a bigger picture version, a lifelong version of that, which is you just want to make sure. And a big part of that, and John, maybe we'll touch on this in another episode, is repurposing one of the things that you said that struck me was the, you can spend this amount of money on anything that you want to. And so one of the things that I find I spend some time with clients on is repurposing their spending. You know, Maybe you've been paying for life insurance premiums for a long time, but now your plan would suggest you don't need life insurance, but you do need long term care. And so repurposing old, whether it's insurance, whether it's any kind of expenses. Don't get me wrong. We're not going through trying to get you to drop your unlimited cell phone plan and go back to two gigs of data or, or whatever it is. You especially can't afford to do that if you have kids on your plan. But it's one of those things that I do think there are often a lot of opportunities in some of the bigger areas. Mortgage refinance would be another example in the last couple of years where you can repurpose some of the things that you're spending money on to make sure that what you're spending, you're actually getting value out of. And we see folks who come in who haven't had a plan updated or either have never created one or who haven't had one updated in a while. They're still dealing with the 1990s couch that's burgundy, forest green, and navy blue when they really, yeah, could probably seeing a little update on their color palette in terms of their finances. And so I think there's... A lot that goes into that. We can get deeper into it another time. But John, I know that one last thing that you wanted to touch on one more time is the importance of, of building kind of your retirement
1: team, the ensemble. I'm just trying to think about the time. When have you been in my house to look at Mike's couch? Man, I wasn't trying to judge you. I was remembering the first couch
0: I ever got as a grown up that <laughs> that actually came from a store, um, <laughs> you know, that didn't start with thrift, uh-huh. uh, and it was navy burgundy and forest green, maybe some khaki, kind of some tan in there. So again, repurposing of old things is a big thing now on TV. There are tons of programs that can teach you how to turn a lampshade into a Frisbee or or whatever. There are all kinds of things. And so I think that it's just something that for me has become easy to grasp onto as a concept for people to understand how a lot of times we have old things that we bought or invested in at some point that were really appropriate at the time. It's not like it was a bad thing. It's just that now times have changed. Life has changed and the opportunities of what's available have changed. And so it's worth taking a look at. I didn't mean to give you a trauma over your home furnishings, John, but sometimes you just have to take a look, man. Might be time to take Crescent out and upgrade some of that.
1: I mean, I have enough worry about the deficiencies in my life. I don't need any help from you, but I'll take what I can get, you know? The last thing on the keeping side, you can save sometimes. It's easy to save with what people consider to be a minimal amount of guidance. It's the keeping during the spending time that requires more teamwork. And we talked so many times on the show about creating a team. And so when you're talking about the keeping of money that you've saved your entire working life, You know, I think about Ron Burgundy blowing on the conch shell and assembling his news team, you know, retirement team assemble. So you've got your financial advisor like you and I, you've got a good insurance planner. Sometimes you and I can do the insurance planning as well. That's not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is insurance as far as insuring your home, your car, your other assets, non-investment related assets, non-marketable securities, things like that a good estate planning attorney that knows the ins and outs of not only the tax laws as they stand today, but the estate laws as they might change over time. And we know they're going to change over time. And then lastly, when we're talking about changing from a lifestyle that is one way working responsibility to a different type of lifestyle, sometimes a life coach can also be helpful. I know you do some coaching yourself at maximum advisor and help financial advisors attain their chi or their maximum advantage in the workplace. But life coach may not be so hurtful either, right?
0: Hey, call it what you want to, a life coach, a therapist, a counselor. And John, you and I function for some people in very similar roles to that. We certainly can help, but it's also, again, in these big life transitions, we're certainly not qualified professionally to do some of the work that folks need in big changes, whether it's retirement, divorce, getting married again, you know, all kinds of things. So John, next week, we're going to talk about our new book. Can I retire yet? And we're going to talk through some of the things in there, planning versus achieving. And I'm really looking forward next week to
1: diving in brother. Me too. You know, I just worry about whether or not we're going to be able to condense all the information in that book down to a 15 or 20 minute podcast. I mean, that's going to be a struggle.
0: Well, it'd be a struggle for us to do a 15 minute podcast, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> the good news is folks can reach out to us and get the book. So it, we won't, we don't have to condense at all. This is true, man. I look forward to seeing you again next week, next Friday. Here we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com slash scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security. It's all in there. Go to the theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to signaturewealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.